How's it going, everybody? This is the Green and Black Podcast. Uh, I am Tanner Hayworth, of course, joined by my lovely co-host, Reese Nagaoka. Reese, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I mean, this is actually what week is it? week three of the semester and, and week two of college football. Yes, yes, and you know what? Underway. Week week one of NFL fo- of the NFL is. Yeah. So we are recording this on thursday a couple hours before the rams and bills game so for all who are excited for the beginning of the nfl hold up a little bit you still got plenty of college football to go over which is in my opinion the better it's better it's much better but hey there's not a lot of people that run college uh fantasy football so maybe one year we'll run a league like that when more people want to but i think that's just like five people that i know that actually follow college football. So I think we could probably hold that up for next year. Well, even then, it's kind of like, even for your fantasy, for your NFL fantasy football, it's kind of like, do I know if this guy is going to be okay or not? Like, it's, it's kind of like you're just picking whoever you think you Cause, feel is. Because I doubt no one last year was like, check out this pick. <laughs> Bailey Zappi. <laughs> <laughs> check this out. I'm trying to think of a G5 guy. Um, who's that guy from Florida International? Like, their only good guy. Their oh. only good guy who's also, like, one of the best G5 receivers. Who is, coincidentally, at, like, the one of the bottom feeder programs. I can't remember <laughs> his name, but he's also really good. I can't remember. But, you know, speaking of bottom feeder group of five programs, let's talk about last <laughs> week for Hawaii football. Um, it was not a great week, obviously. We did not win. Uh, it was another blowout loss for Hawaii football as they were taken down 49-17. to 17. Um, Obviously, it's a very similar issue that we saw from last week. Um, quarterback play not necessarily helping the offense at all, mostly being a detriment to the offense. It, it was, I think it's a critical part of why your, your offense was their, – their offense was not – really a successful I mean there were a couple of plays where it was kind of like why did he throw this ball like you know referring to both Joey Allen and Braden Shager but there were a couple of times where it's like like man he threw a good ball and then the receiver drops it and somehow weirdly deflects it to a defender for an interception and it was like yeah so the first stat we can look at from last week's game is the six turnovers uh five of them being interceptions four of them being Braden Shager so a lot of people would probably ask the question well, why is Shager still in the game then? Because didn't you guys start Joey Yellen? True, we started Joey Yellen. Although, if you go back from week one, week zero to week one, Joey Yellen at one point had 14 straight incompletions between the two games. Something and like his only big play was that 22-yard catch by Caleb Phillips who took a big hit at the end of it so personally I would put that more on Caleb Phillips being able to keep the catch and other than that one pass there hasn't been much that I've seen from Joey Yellen to make me believe that he's really proven anything to be the starting quarterback of Hawaii and with Braden in his first series does throw a pretty bad pick six but he's does something that joey yellen still has yet to do in lead a touchdown drive and he has a pretty good drive that puts them into the red zone 
Cameron Cooper takes over to pitch it to Dedrick Parson for a quick rushing touchdown. And there have been opportunities for Joey Yellen to, you know, show what he's got. But in the, like, two quarters that he's gotten to play, he's either started out very hot, like, in week zero, but then just absolutely kind of, you know, part of my French, he kind of the bed going 0 for 9, I believe, in his last in week zero. I think it was. Or 0 for 11. I want to say it was it, it was 0 for 9, I think, because he started 10 for 11, and then he finished 10 of 20 right. or something. So, you know, he gets, uh, I mean, breaking news for the people that don't know, Joey Allen is going to be getting the start again against Michigan, but that seems to be more due to uh, injury or some kind of rest for Braden Shager because he will be making the trip over. But he just won't be suiting up unless absolutely necessary, right? So it's yes. So he it will be Joey Yellen to start on Saturday. That's what Timmy Chang told um, a bunch of reporters before they left to Ann Arbor. No, they went to Detroit first, then Ann Arbor. And um, you know, Brandon Shaker did make the trip. He's available, but it's like looking more like super emergency situation where he's probably the number four guy on the depth chart behind. Jake Farrell, Armani Edda, and then, of course, you got Joey Allen starting, right? So. Right. And for the people that ask, well, what about Cameron Cooper? He didn't even make the trip right. due to, I believe, I heard, uh, unknown ailment. That's I that's, think that's the official, that's, that's the official I put out. Per Steven Sai of the Honolulu Star Advertiser, it's it's an injury for Cameron Cooper as well. Braden Shager is, is also um, an undisclosed injury as well, so, but... I was. We were told that he's clear to play, but he's probably not going to be. I would say this though. I think that's good. If Braden is hurt, and you're going against um, this team, I don't know if you've heard of them, the number four ranked Michigan Wolverines, the defending Big Ten champions. Who, yeah, they lose their two best defensive players, but um, that defense is probably still as good as it was last year. If I'm Timmy Chang and I'm worried about the health of who I believe personally, I, I, Tanner Hayworth, this is Tanner Hayworth speaking, who I believe should be the starting quarterback out of all the quarterbacks that I've seen so far, I want Brandon Shager to be want, healthy. Yeah. And I'm not playing him against Michigan. <laughs> but they played Colorado State last week and allow, and got seven sacks off Colorado State. So it's not going to be fun time for the offense next week and playing that in the big house a hundred thousand strong sure 99 percent of that is michigan we'll get a couple of hawaii fans you know coming in there because the last time hawaii played in michigan there were a small set of hawaii fans there um yeah last time i saw the spread was minus 51 has that changed do we know it is Michigan minus 51.5. The over-under is 67, so I guess it's, like, not too best. We're looking... 67? Yeah. So we must, so... Be, must be looking at, what, like a 59-3 to three game? No, 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 wait. My math is bad. What is? 67. 67. So that's 51-8? 51-8. to eight. Wait. Six... wait. What was it, 66? So the over-under is, over is 67. But the As lo... you can tell, we're not math majors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then the line is minus 51 and a half. I mean, 
when you look at that, the first thing I think of is that 2016 game when Hawaii and Nick Rolovich visited Michigan and they lost 63 to three. So it won't be unprecedented if we get blown out by a massive number by Michigan. And I will also say this. I am kind of expecting to be blown out by Michigan because it's Michigan. And as much as people want to say, but what if we're the ab state? What if we could be like Appalachian State from 2007 and upset the Michigan Wolverines? Take a look at that Appalachian State team and tell me if that's a talented team or not. And then look at this Hawaii team and tell me if this is a team filled with talent. That Appalachian State team was good. They were old. Not like old. They were all seniors. They all knew each other. They weren't 53 brand new players and a brand new coaching staff. We are not going to upset Michigan (laughs) this week. So don't, like, expect that. What this now becomes is, well, what are we expecting? What do we want to see when Hawaii goes out there and plays Michigan? What I want to see is, you know, to see the offense gain yards. And that's going to be a tough test. But I think last week we saw a lot of really good runs, not only from Diedrich Parson. Najee Bryant Lillet had uh, – Lillet, sorry – not Lily. Lily is Ashley, you know, first overall pick from University of Hawaii. Najee Bryant Lilay had a pretty good game last week, his breakout performance. I think in week zero, I was surprised that we didn't see more of Najee or Mojo as he's officially coined on the UH bio. We'll find out what he likes to go by probably more uh, sooner than later. But I really do like how he runs. I think he and Diedrich are very good compliments to each other because they are kind of very similar in that they're just going to try to – they'll find their opening and they'll just drive through that space. I really do like physical runners, and I think maybe that's why I'm a fan of Najee Bryant, Lele. So I want to see that. If we can get – trying to go a good number against this Michigan defense (laughs) – I think you have to go more off carries, I think, based Probably. on than rushing Here, yards. I won't say this. I'll retract my statement. I want I don't want to see turnovers. Yes. That would be the one thing. If we have a bunch of incompletions but no turnovers, that's a good job by our uh, quarterbacks or not a lot of fumbles from our running backs who we didn't see a lot. We didn't see – I don't think we saw a fumble from the Western Kentucky game. I don't think so. There might have been one. I think it was. It was. There was one. It was the special teams one. It was the special teams fumble, but other than that, we were good with holding the ball. <laughs> oh, there was a couple um, actually because you had. There were two. You had one in Western Kentucky. They had the the muff punt. Early. Yeah, but both were special teams. Both were special. Both teams, were special yes. teams. So what I want to see from Hawaii, the offense at least, is to limit our turnovers. If we get two, I won't be mad. If we get three, it's Michigan. If we once we get to three plus, and I want to see like what those turnovers are, then I'll be like, okay, come on, guys. Um, for the Hawaii defense, if you thought we had an issue with Mike Wright, um, I want to introduce you all to a guy named JJ McCarthy, a former five star, 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh said he he ran a four five forty when JJ McCarthy was being interviewed and mentioned Jim Harbaugh saying that he ran a four five. JJ simply scoffed and said, "I don't know, probably more like four four. It's obvious what the game plan is going to be here, <laughs> uh, especially when you look at Colorado State's uh, defense when they played Michigan." I don't think a single receiver eclipsed two catches in the game against Colorado State. Uh, they decided to run the ball. I think they had 260-plus yards on the ground. So the 400 we allowed to <laughs> uh, Vanderbilt, uh, that might have been a uh, good predictor to see what's going to be coming up on the plate for uh, up against Michigan. Um, is there anything that you're specifically looking for? that you will see as a moral victory when it comes to this white defense playing against Michigan? I think the main thing, just just overall, for me, I think I think if as long as they leave Ann Arbor without a scratch, like we've seen the injuries start to pile up through camp. And, you know, last week we saw Leonard Lee get carted off. Um, I think Stefan Bernal-Wentz is not going to start. I think Sergio Mousao is going to start at left guard um, on Saturday, which is – it's a new one. He's a slim, small. He started against Wyoming. Yeah. He's, so he he's had experience. Yeah. It's it's just a matter of like, can you keep these? You don't want to get your team like ravaged by injuries. No. Especially against the number four team in the country, where you're giving up like, I don't know how many points they're going to give up on Saturday. Let's, the the main key to not getting hurt when you're playing football is to make sure you're always going at one hundred percent. That's the one thing I learned, is that when you play football. If you're going, you won't be hurt because if something is moving, if something strikes you going at 100 while you're also going at 100 in the same direction, usually that force dissipates. It's when you're standing still or it's when you decide to let up before the whistle. Then you get, you know, hit in the knees, you get rolled up on. It happens. So maximum effort is probably what I want to see. That's I want to see, yeah. like you said, no injuries. You're going to miss tackles. <laughs> um, I will expect that. A lot of tackles will be shed, but I just don't want to see kind of the uh, – I don't want to see bad tackles. Also, I want to limit the selfish penalties. Because yes, there was a that lot was... of that that was going on against Western Kentucky. And I understand there's a lot of frustration happening. I think Il Manning had one at the uh, end – when people were kind of piling on Najee so, Bryant in the touchdown, he yeah, so he already had like a couple holding penalties. So, yeah. and then he probably should have got flagged like three or four more times because he was shoving guys around all game, and he, only in that fourth quarter when Najee Bryant late scored that they actually called it because he on camera very clearly shoved the dude like yeah. halfway through the end zone. Yeah, and. You know, there were, there were a couple, you know, Noah Kamana, I think, had one in, on Sportsman, like, in the late in the fourth. Yeah. Um, you know, Ty Marsh got called for targeting, so he's going to be out for the first half of Saturday. And I will say, for Ty Marsh's targeting penalty, I personally, it's one of those where you're like, yeah, that's targeting. But I don't think he obviously no, he meant obviously, to let. Yeah. Well, it's always that rough issue when you're going against a quarterback that's sliding is that sometimes you will leave your feet for the tackle and then the quarterback will slide. So personally, I got nothing against Ty Marsh on that one. 
I think last year Darius had one, but that wasn't in a slide. And that one's like, okay, you got to know. You can't lead with the crown of your helmet. But with Ty Marsh, personally, I thought he was leading with his shoulder. And then, unfortunately, the helmets, you know, cracked together after Austin Reed slid. God, what a what a little character Austin Reed was by the end of the game, wasn't he? But <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he got flagged too, right? So it was like, he, yeah. Yeah. So he got fired up, but um, I feel for Ty Marsh. Hopefully, we'll get to see him at the back end of the Michigan game because I do. I I was excited for him. Yeah. When he came in as a freshman last year, because he was one of the bigger recruits from Todd Graham's uh, recruiting uh, in 2020. So there's a lot of those kind of guys that I want to see more often, but unfortunately, you gotta follow the rules. <laughs> you gotta make sure. That you keep your face mask up. That's the one thing that I've always learned. I think the I think it's not so much the targeting. I think it's just because of the amount of depth. You know, Leonard Lee hurt himself. Yeah, he had to be, he had to get carted off. Um, yeah, he was walking around with a brace at practice this week. Um, so I don't know. If, I doubt he's traveling. And it's just one of those things where you you kind of need a lot of safety depth for a team that runs like these multiple defenses where you have a nickel and a dime set. And you know, I I think you know Malik Hausman. The he was. And Peter Monuma, they're going to be really good um, down the line for Hawaii. You know, you know they were your nickel and dime backs, I think. And then Ty Marsh, I think he actually rotated with Monuma at points because he yeah. started the game at nickel, I think. Yeah. And you have Kamana, Matangi Thompson, um, Meki Pei as your safety. I think it's just one of those things where you have a lot of depth, but you you need to keep your your safeties in the game, I guess. And I guess the one overly positive thing we can take from last week's game because we can all agree there's not a lot of things where you say obviously this was perfect and this was good Matt Shipley looked pretty good last week (laughs) he had a good field goal he had a couple good punts I mean you know shout out to Matt Shipley (laughs) (laughs) he's doing a great job he he pretty much boomed a couple I mean I think when you look at a longer field goal than we were expecting to have too yeah i mean (laughs) considering we started from the three yard line on that drive oh my gosh that was you could you we were we were all like kind of like what 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 the heck in this in the press box like it was a because me personally if you're on the three yard line why not bring in the cam and cooper goal line set that you did bring in i think we should drives later we should we should emphasize that they scored on that drive. They they got negated, I think, on a Jordan Murray holding call. They did, yeah. So it was just it was just a ten yard penalty that sent them back to like and the third. And then 13. he got sacked. Then he got sacked, and then then it came to the point where it was like, yeah, obviously. and that's that's my issue with Joey Yellen. I can take that. Yeah, maybe he's got a better release than Braden Shager. Mm-hmm. The ball comes out faster. I agree with that. It's the decision-making. It's the decision-making, and it's the lack of mobility. Yeah. And that's something that I don't know how much I can say, like, that's – I'm not trying to say, like, you know, that's your fault, Yellen. What's wrong with you? Why don't you run? He just doesn't have the ability to do it. With Braden, he has the ability to get at least out of the pocket. And I believe if he makes that decision to run the ball – He's okay. He had that 17-yard run. Yeah, he might have banged himself up He got banged up there, but he showed that, yeah, I can get out. If Braden does come back, I want to see more of that because the more you run, guess what? We run a zone read play. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people understand when uh, 
out of the shotgun when he uh, hands off to uh, Diedrich Parson. That can easily be made into an option play. <laughs> and yeah. if, let's say, a Chevin Cordero was running that, it is so obvious that that should be a read option. There is a lot in this quarterback, in the system, sorry about that, there's a lot in this system that caters to and requires a mobile quarterback. And unfortunately, Joey Allen ain't him. Mm-hmm. If this was like a pocket passing, not to say it, a pocket passing Bo Graham system, a pocket passing Todd Graham quarterback system, then maybe Joey Allen would have been fit just right. But unfortunately, we're not running out of the eye. We're not running a fullback set. We're not running a two tight end fullback wide receiver, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 12 personnel yeah. or whatever. We're, we should be running more of the spread stuff. And I understand that, what, I think John Veneri on the call said that Ian Shoemaker had shortened the playbook for Western Kentucky. And I saw a lot of people complaining about the play calling. At some point, you got to pick a guy. You got to pick a guy to be the starting quarterback. And because once you pick that guy, then you can build more on your playbook. Right. Because right now, we don't know who's starting. And whoever's playing dictates the style of play that you're getting out of your playbook. Because Joey Yellen, pocket passer. Maybe he'll roll out. (laughs) Braden Shager, he can pass out of the pocket and he can roll out. And in a dire emergency... He can run. Uh, Camden Cooper or Amani Eden, probably more on the mobile side. That can pass it when they can, but you probably prefer it for your quarterback to get out of the pocket. Jake Farrell probably lies kind of in that. Kind of like a shaker almost, yeah. I don't know because I haven't seen him, you know, in a lot of playing time because the playing time that I did see – he just threw 70-plus-yard touchdowns. <laughs> so I don't really know well, how much of the system that he dictates towards. I think it's he's kind of like Shager, I think, he, in the sense where he can throw it if he has if He he can obviously throw it. Yeah, he can run it if and he I has And I think, he, if he, yeah, he can run it if he has to. He's not exactly, you know, the, the quickest guy, but he's willing to, you know, run out of the pocket, scramble, you know, improvise and get some extra time right. um, through it. And, you know, that'll, that'll be interesting to see. I think we'll probably see him in the game at some point on Saturday. I want to see Farrell in the game. Yeah. I'm excited to see Jake Farrell because a lot of people have been calling for him because we haven't seen great play from our quarterbacks. A lot of people say, well, why not just put Jake Farrell in? To which I say, well, because he's holding up the signs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, um, <laughs> well, I I, prefer, I mean, personally, I, I would li- like to see Braden Shaker like, be established as that quarterback. He's been... But this is, the, this is my thing. The reason why I want to see Jake Farrell in I want to see if he's that kind of guy that's not that great at practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of people will remember Colt Brennan was not a good practice quarterback. But once you got him under the lights, he was Colt. I'm not saying that Jake Farrell is the second coming. (laughs) But Brian Moniz wasn't a starting quarterback when he first started at the University of Hawaii. He was a, what, a four-string guy, wasn't he? Something. He was a walk-on, too, He was a walk-on. So... Jake Farrell just got a scholarship a couple months ago. Why not give him a starting opportunity? Because in my opinion, if you give a backup quarterback a scholarship, 
that means there is some trust in him from the head coaching staff. I think I was talking with Hunter Hughes, you know, former UH quarterback, mm-hmm. now sideline reporter for ESPN Honolulu. He he's a big fan of Jake Farrell. He likes Jake Farrell. I think in the spring game we all saw what he did. He was pretty good with maybe we get him out there with Tamatoa <laughs> so that he can also get some catches apart from like the one or two catches he's had so far in the season. I just want to see more from this offense because we, I think, expected a little more, especially with a guy with Ian Shoemaker's tenure and resume. But then we got to remember first year. So the install does have to keep on being installed because of the all the different times new players came in, whether it be spring, summer, fall, walk-ons. There's a lot of installs happening at all times. And even for that, you put that on there, this is only the third game of the season. So the season's not over. We look really bad. (laughs) But that just means we only got up to go. And so far, from week zero to week one, we look better. Yeah. and Well, I think the one thing everybody's kind of – Expecting, especially in a Hawaii offense, is that we haven't seen a lot of passing. We haven't seen any passing touchdowns. Actually, it's been what ninety nine attempts right. through the air. They haven't done it. Been about one hundred sixty plays of offense. We haven't seen it. But I think the one thing everybody's forgetting is that this is year one of a rebuild. Year one of a rebuild, and not a lot of people know what to what to expect from this from this offense. And so the one thing that you want to expect from a Hawaii offense is the deep pass. Yeah. So a lot of people say, how come you just don't pass it deep all the time? To which I then reply, do you think the the opposing defenses are just standing still and the only reason why we can't get deep passes is because the quarterback decides to not throw it deep? The reason is because the defense is probably planned for a couple of deep passes. Right, because there's there's very let's, – let's be – pretty clear about there's some pretty fast guys in this receiving core i mean you have chuki Hines, um you know zion bowens when he's not banged up right now um you know there, there's a you know dior actually is pretty fast too i mean it, there's a lot of speed in this receiving group and that's what everybody's that's why I'm, we're kind of like when you think about it it's like i i don't want to offend people but i mean we how can you expect this to have like 1999 vibes with June Jones and right. when you think you're going to go 9 and 4 and I mean it's it's not like that I mean it's most, a completely different culture yeah most most places when they have to do a rebuild it'll take them a year or two we, we talked with Eric Matthews last week he talked about you know Willie Taggart um, the, the parallels he had to Timmy Chang about how I think they went what, 2 and 10 his first year then then they went to have you know, success the second years, second and third years. You know, um, I was reading something earlier. You know, Bill Snyder at Kansas State in the 1980s went one and ten before they went on to build. You know, this right. Big Twelve championship team that was almost winning national titles and making Fiesta Bowl runs. And you know, it, it's if they have to th- write off this year, then I think you people have to accept that. And you know, I think that's something that I don't know how fans will accept. I think people. You saw, I saw on Twitter that people were like on Hawaii sports, the Hawaii sports fans group, the podcast, they were like, the stadium does not kind of matches with what's the feel of the on-field play almost, I guess. Yeah. 
And like, unfortunately, you can make another comparison between the stadium and what's going on on the field itself in that in both situations, it's out of Hawaii's control. Right. With the stadium, it got condemned <laughs> due to due to yeah. not enough funds to take care of it because of this thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Coronavirus? Yes. That shut down the economy for two weeks? That shut us, that made everyone stay in their home for two months? Does anyone remember that? You know, it rings a bell. I mean. And then with the football team, there's a small little guy, never, don't know if you've heard of him, Todd Graham, <laughs> abusing his football players. I've been hearing, oh my gosh, there's a one person that said that they would rather win with Todd Graham than lose with Timmy Chang. And I got to say, if you say that to me, and you, if you sincerely believe that you would rather win games with Todd Graham this year than lose with Timmy Chang, block me. Straight up. Because that's how I know that one, you're a casual when it comes to watching football. Two, that's how I know that you don't respect these college athletes. Right. Because with Corey Bethley leaving, well, that was after Tom Graham. I, I won't I won't mention Corey Bethley. With Darius Musa leaving, with Jonah Lulu leaving, with Justice Tavai leaving, with Chevin Cordero leaving, with Dede Hunter leaving, with Nick Mardner leaving, I can with Cam Lockridge leaving. If none of that happens, we're still stuck with Todd. They left. Them leaving was something that they needed to do, not only for them, so that they can, you know, get out there more. They all go up, basically. I mean, other than Shevin, who kind of went middle of the pack. I but, think Cam, Cam Lockridge. Cam Lockridge, too, but yeah. But... Regardless, if that doesn't happen, if they don't do that, they don't save the program. Because we're now with a guy who, unfortunately, we got to really make sure that we're behind him. Yes. Because right now, there is a lot of uncertainties. But what's great is that there's only been two games. And with a lot of people saying stuff like, we have to fire Timmy Chang after two, two games, games fired with a with yeah. a with a with a really I don't want to say really bad team but just it's, with it's a just, team that has wasn't given the same opportunity it's just a team that hasn't been together that long to they need time yeah and by the time we get to the conference games I think we're going to be much better than we are now I I do think they're going to steal at least I I mean, I put. I'd say they probably win two games, two or two to four games this year, yeah. which is it's a win. But I was like, you you have to leave a little bit of space because this is a team that can steal a couple of Mountain West yeah. wins. They're not going to steal this Michigan win. <laughs> but guess what? Mono was the biggest pro from this weekend. Not only do we, our team gets to go visit an incredible university. They get paid. They get paid one point nine million dollars. Some people say, I don't see the reason why we're playing these games. <laughs> There's 1.9 million reasons why. And also, I do want to say, for the reasons of playing these games, it's not just the payday. The payday certainly helps a lot. But 
when you play big programs like Michigan's, mm-hmm. I'm going to include Vanderbilt because they are still a Power 5 program. Yeah. Western Kentucky, that game was planned it's a it's long a, time. It's a high group of five. But when you look in our future, we got Stanford. We have Oregon. We still have UCLA for now until they remember they have us. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if they, they're going to keep up that, their they, side. They of don't the plan. want a Big Ten school coming here. <laughs> no, um, I'm just but we have Arizona. We have Arizona State. We have a lot of big time programs that we want to play. And it's not just because of the money, the money certainly helps. But being able to play these kind of big programs is what iron sharpens iron means. Pat Hill. Former Fresno State coach, one of the be- one of the best Fresno State coaches of all time, was asked the same reason. Was asked the same question. Sorry, uh, why he played guys like Ohio State, like USC, like all those big time schools. Want to know what his answer was? Sure. Yeah, I, I saw I saw it on Twitter, but yeah. it's like it's just blanking out of my yeah. head. What are they gonna do? They're not gonna eat you because these are football players. Yeah. If you're a football player. Why would you want to either make sure that you always play at the same level or just play down? If I'm playing, I want to play Kahuku in high school because they're the best team in the freaking state. I want to see what I can do against them. And if we, like, mess up or if we start, you know, losing, guess what? You can use that experience and you use that experience to get better. When you play a team like Michigan, you're going to get blown out. But you're going to learn a lot of things that you can do better. We've been blown out in three straight games against programs that are okay to good. And now we're going to get an elite program kill us. And one of what we got next week, Duquesne. And Duquesne's played a couple of Power 5 schools. Then we have New Mexico State, who's also played their share of Power 5 schools. We are going up, up, up. And then going down. And then we're going back down for a home game, for homecoming. We are preparing ourselves for a good turnaround, in my opinion. Do I think we're going to go to a bowl? Probably not. But are we going to win maybe four games? I sure hope so. But I think we put ourselves in a great situation to learn and a great situation to better ourselves. Yeah, and it's sorry. I'm I'm like blanking, but yes, when you look at yeah, come on, race, stop blanking. <laughs> blanking. No, I, I got a I got a notification from uh, the fantasy football one of the fantasy football leagues I'm in. <laughs> I was like, get your mind off fantasy. We're yeah, doing a podcast here. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wrap up, I think this week's podcast. I think we pretty much talked about what we want to talk about. I think a lot of people are going to be like, how can we not talk about Michigan players individually? Yes. I don't I, need to. I, well, you got a couple you wanted to scout. I can talk about them. Yeah. You, you had, if there's one guy. You did the research, man. I Let's... did research, but then I was like, okay, in reality, <laughs> we're only going to see them for a quarter. But for the one quarter that we do see them. I think we can do quarter and a half. Yeah, quarter and a half, maybe. Um they're, they have this defensive tackle named Mozzie Smith, number 58. This is the only guy I'm going to highlight because um, – so he's six foot three, 337 senior. He can – he <laughs> he is number one on Bruce Feldman's uh, freaks list. 
And these are, this is a list of, you know, draft-eligible players. Uh, and he basically ranks on how much of athletic freaks they are. Yes. Number one last year, I believe, was Aiden Hutchinson. And this year it is Mozzie Smith. So he is, he can bench 22 reps of 325. Not your usual 225 you see with bench reps. <laughs> he has a closed grip bench of 550 pounds, a 44-inch vertical, a broad jump of 9 feet 4 and a half inches. He's clocked a shuttle time of 441, which would have tied any defensive tackle at the NFL scouting combine this year. He has a three-cone drill of 695, which would have been the fastest, and a 60-yard shuttle, shuttle of 1190. And if there is one drill that is unorthodox and just shows the explosiveness of Mozzie Smith at Michigan... They have the set of stairs. It is a series of seven 26-inch high stairs. And what they do is they, from the bottom up, they jump up each stair and try to do it as fast as they can. The program record of this exercise is 2.21 seconds, and Mozzie Smith did it in 2.8. My God. 330 pounds. For comparison... Aiden Hutchinson did it at 2.5 seconds. So for the one quarter and a half, we're going to see Mozzie Smith. I think we're going to see a lot of him. I think I think Yellen is going to be seeing a lot of Mozzie Smith. <laughs> 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 to be I sure, think... not to like not to rag on Aliki. Aliki's good. Yeah, he's a great. But but Dude, Mozzie Smith, man. I think we yeah. He's a there, he's a freak to there, say the least. There are. A couple. Well, I'm looking at um, Bruce Feldman's freaks list now. There, are, there are like three or four of these guys in the top ten. Well, even this. <laughs> let's look at. I'm looking at number forty six right here. It's Kenneth Grant. He's a defensive tackle for Michigan, listed at six four, three sixty. Um, you know, ran a sub five forty, which you know, pretty good. But you know, you talked about the the stair test and how Aiden Hutchinson did his in two point five and. I think you said 2.8 for Mozzie Smith. 2.77 for Kenneth Turner. Or Kenneth Grant, excuse me. No, Kenneth Turner's the running back, right? No, Kenneth Grant is a guy. They're, they also have another guy on the freaks list from Michigan, DJ Turner, yes. who's a defensive back. They also have a guy at number seven who we're not even talking about in Julius Welshoff or Julius Welshoff. Because yes. I know he is um, German? No, maybe Norwegian. Norwegian? One of the two. He says it on his list. But um, <laughs> um, there are freaks his, on this team. I mean, the one thing you can say about him is he's long and he's flexible. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I don't. I mean, I I just look at this and I'm just reading this. The standout cornerback DJ Turner, who we talked about, when he was asked about the most impressive thing he's seen from him, he said it's ankle mobility. It's the ankle mobility test that measures the flexibility in their lower legs. DJ Turner, who's on the list, measured 13 or 14, in- 13 or 14 inches, which is above the team average. Uh, Welshoff, uh, 23 inches. With 13 or 14 being above average of the team average. So, 
what we can surmise is this. We've highlighted four guys here. Three of them are on the defensive line, and three of them are monsters. Oh. So these are going to be the best defensive linemen Hawaii is going to see all year. And you can say, well, what about Cade Hall, Dom Peterson? I think this is the, the, the best front four we'll see. This is the best. We knew this was going to be the best team, best defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just going to be the best everyone we've seen. And maybe that's stuff that we can learn from them. Um, so, yeah, I think the what we can say, surmise from all this, is uh, don't get hurt. Yes. Uh, stay healthy. Drink your milk. Just because these guys can do that doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Don't go for the <laughs> don't go for the twenty three inches of lower le- of ankle mobility test or do the stair means. test in two point seven yeah. seconds. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go for uh, what song do, do you think oh. you could wrap up this weekend with? And I was just thinking about it, and I was like, man, I cannot think of a song just because of what's going on with this team because. There's just been. I might if, if I had to pick a song, it'd probably not be about them. I'd probably try to focus on some of these other teams. I mean, we're watching um, Portland State and Hawaii soccer play right now. Hawaii's up two nothing. Um, they they scored in like thirty seconds, which Tanner and I could not believe because the scoring bug didn't update the first goal. Well, because this is what because what happened was we were watching the game and it was zero zero. We open up the uh, stat broadcast and we go back and then it's two nothing. Which this is a soccer game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that so you see. That it was like very it was often. it was one nothing. I, so we saw the, so we saw the second goal, which was Krista Peterson cleaning up a rebound, I think from, I want to say Amber Gilbert, but I can't remember. And then Amber Gilbert scored actually about twenty five seconds before that, yeah. which is what we missed. And it was like, like what the? How did they score this quickly? And I mean, they're they're up two nothing at halftime, and then you have the other games this week. You have. Uh, Hawaii playing Hawaii or Wahine volleyball playing two games set against USC. Um, I believe they have like one of the top recruiting classes in the country, and they're already like really good with um, what's the right side hitter from USC? I think it's Amelia Vesky, right? Or Ves Amelia Vesca. Man, their pronunciation guide is so small. It's it's small, <laughs> but it's that's the shortest pronunciation guide I've ever seen. Well, I guess you don't need to have that much when it's like you can you can pronounce like Williams, Miller, Smith. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Skyler Fields is probably their their leading point scorer. But then you have <laughs> other people. Um, um, you have Mia Tuaninga, who's the the younger sister of former Long Beach State setter Josh Tuaninga. Um, yeah, like you said, Sky, like I said, Skyler Fields is been really good you look at the projected starters list and it's it's interesting i think this is another test for robin Amo and the staff especially after coming off that, of, that ucla game which was it was it was a rough one overall and i think yeah. they're still trying to process it i feel like it was it was in their hands i mean it's what 23 to 18 in the fourth i think set. that just makes me feel good about in conference play though again because once again, like last season, where we have a, yeah. a subpar out of conference schedule, I think it. Does. I think that prepares you. Yeah. For a very strong regular season. I don't think that's the thing. It's it's starting to seem like maybe this is the new trend for Wahine volleyball. <laughs> is you just, you just you, you just, just brave. you schedule a really <laughs> tough non-conference schedule right. to try and boost your RPI, and 
then you know it doesn't work out. But then you turn up to not the conference point, and you just dominate everybody. Like I mean, like I think if there's one per if there's one player that I just really didn't expect to just come out of nowhere because I think what I was expecting was obviously Amber IGD. right? Obviously Riley Wagner. I was really expecting that. Alexander's been yeah lights out. Her and Westerberg, I think, have come out to just really become two two players I just didn't really expect to kind of just break out for this team. I think Westerberg was slightly a little more expected because yeah. um, she was, she was going to be the number two middle behind Amber. Yeah. And because of injuries to, I think, Anna Kirai and the new transfer, Kennedy Evans. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Kaylin Alexander has been really good. I mean, she and Riley Wagner have been really rot- have rotated that, that front left side hitter and... They've been really good through it. I mean, except for that UCLA game for Riley Wagner. What? If she was she was struggling. If, if we're game. honest, like when you look at Riley Wagner's numbers, like they're they're not that impressive. I think she averages about like a one eighty eight hitting percentage anyway. Yeah. But like when you when you add all the rest of her game, like she'll give you a couple kills. But her back row play has been just as good. Yes. And, you know, she'll be. That's why I guess she's the floor captain, right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean it's. There are a lot of interesting pieces, especially when you have a lot of pin hitters. Like we saw Chandler Cowell, Cowell get in some some reps on Sunday. Um, you know, Annika DeHood got some reps in because I think they started running this two setter thing where you have to rotate out. Right. Um, so, but it was there was a lot to take in. I think, and I think this USC series is just for more for them to build off of preparing non for preparing for conference play. Yeah. I think that's a good sum up of what happened last weekend. Yeah, and then, and what we're preparing for for this weekend. Yeah, and I think we should also say that Wahine soccer looks a lot better than they did on. Oh, Sunday. Oh yeah, Wahine soccer already is looking much more. That's uh, the word well, As we say that, they're they're. Well, they it's fine. I, anyone anyone can kick the ball far. Anyone can kick the ball far, because look, they immediately get the ball back. Yes. But so. As we wrap it up, we have a song to come up with. I am going to go with Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness. Because, you know, it's a hard road. And that's, I feel like that's where we're on right now for the University of Hawaii. We're on the pursuit of happiness. And I also just really like the song. It makes me feel good. That's understand. I like it. <laughs> no, I can get that. Oh, uh, What's it called? Like, just... Classic Cuddy songs are so good. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Pursuit of Happiness, not only just for the football program, but I think for the athletics program as well. Oh, okay. I, I have this list because I had this thing where I would not pick the same song for – Well, no one knows from last year. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't even think of what I, what my song would be as we stall. I mean, let's just let's just run this through. Um, <laughs> let's go with um, – Let's go with Time, I guess, by, by NF. Mm. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, they just... I think everybody... All three sports, actually, Jay, just need to... <laughs> give them a little bit more time to figure it out. Because right. I think we've seen this... Well, first off, football, you know it's going to be... A, it's not going to be a success story. In, in it's year. a long drag. It's, a, it's, it's success defined in different ways, I think, for football. Also... Uh, it's only been three weeks. Yeah, this is li- this is the third week of competition. Yeah, and so I mean we and then you're that you know volleyball, you know, 
heartbreaking loss on Sunday, but you know, there's still conference play and that's what really matters because that's right. what gets you into the tournament. And um, you know, women's soccer they're trying to make the Big West tournament this year. They expanded it to six teams and this is a lot more let's say a live offense right. than we've seen from last year. Um I don't think Kelsey Sumita has scored at all either, which is impressive considering they're averaging more than a goal per game, yeah, which is yeah, which I mean, is awesome. Yeah, it's great. You I love mean, to see that from the soccer team. I mean, this is like just straight up just Amber Gilbert and Krista Peterson's show right now, and um, I think they're still trying to figure it out. Obviously, the defense was asleep at points during the second half on Sunday. We've seen that all week, and you know, I think these three groups just need yeah time to figure it out. And with that, that's the end of this week with the green and black. From the Kaleo Sports Desk, I am Tanner Hayworth with Reese Nagaoka. Thank you very much for listening. See you guys next weekend. You know, see you for homecoming weekend for the University of Hawaii football program. Yes, that'll be very interesting. All righty. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. Have a great one.